Hello. Test it. Test Hello and welcome to Agitate, a periodical podcast of creative, entrepreneur, and other interesting people. My name is Rob and I'll be taking you on this journey. So sit back and enjoy yourself. This is Agitate. Hey everybody, today we have Mags White with us. Uh, she, she's quite amazing, I gotta say, uh, total respect. She left a full-time job to go out and set off on her own with her own creative uh, business, Grapefruit Moon. So uh, have a listen here about her and I talking about starting your own business. All right, here's Mags White. Good, yourself. Good. <laughs> That's this class where you set up. How long have you been doing this for? Uh, a little while now. Yeah. Just gathering some inventory before we before release it. Before you launch and do the big launch. What's it going to be called? Yeah. Do you know yet? <laughs> <laughs> or is it just going to be called? Hot, hot crack and hotter coffee. Hot crack and hotter coffee? Go bear. <laughs> well, that's it with the bear. Hot crack and hotter coffee. I, I love that. We're still working on it. That's class. And you're going to be doing somebody launching it like online with like a kind of a, a blog type thing alongside um, it? Or? I don't know. Didn't, mm. I didn't really think about that. Mm. I thought just more about getting just conversations recorded. Brilliant. That's you know, with people that... I think are interesting mm -hmm. that have something to say. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, maybe a little bit sort of an offshoot yep. of the magazine, but mm -hmm. you know, a lot more casual. Yeah, like really casual. Like, yeah. fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. brilliant, great. A little nice. bit of cursing, a little bit of beer. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm allowed to let us swear words. Let that's brilliant. You know, because like one of the one of the books that I read when I first considered making this leap is called "Fuck It, Do What You Love," and it's such a good book. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. I talk, yeah, it's really really good. It's just this kind of this guy runs um, seminars and, and weekends away at residentials, and all based on just basically the concept of just like fuck it. Do you know what I mean? Like seriously, cheers to cheers you. Cheers to you. Nice yeah, I know it feels great. I'm so busy, and I really are you. I'm, I'm delighted and terrified <laughs> about how busy I am, but we'll go into that as well. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just as if, you know, when you kind of take that leap, there is so much waiting for you and you just don't. Um, there's just so many things just in life that are designed to make people think that they're not good enough to do it on their own. Do you know? And, and I think a lot of people mm -hmm. are scared mm -hmm. of success. Yeah. They're intimidated. Mm -hmm by the thought mm -hmm. that they'll be successful yeah. and their life will change. Yeah, that's true as well. Absolutely. And that's all got to do with this kind of um, lack of self-belief. Like, if I do this and it goes well, I'll feel like an imposter, you know. But people do feel like, like me, everybody that goes self-employed for it's like an imposter, right? They're like, I'm asking somebody to pay me money to, to do, do something this. I love. On my own, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I'd probably do it anyways, I know. even if you didn't ask me. Well, this is the thing, and that's where a lot of us start, <laughs> isn't it, really? But, um, but yeah. No, it's great. I'm not long. I was just um, at Sunflower Fest there a few mm -hmm. days back. It was, oh, it was brilliant, Rob. It was really good this year. It was like my, probably because I haven't had like 
have healthy stress now in my life, which is just like this busyness and always on the go, which is great, and I thrive off that. But, you know, in years gone by, it's just like I've always found it so hard to unwind. Mm -hmm. Do you know, it takes me a couple of days, whereas now I can literally just go, okay, I've ditched the kids, I'm going to have fun. I can actually have fun. (laughs) You know, it's kind of difficult. People don't let themselves do that either. Absolutely. Do you know, it's really... But um, I guess it's hard as well because with you and Liffy, you've got such a different lifestyle, you know, that Never 90%, 90% of the people. How's it going? Never have got that fence built? Is that done? Uh, we have construction guys in right now doing the drainage for the field. Brilliant. Yeah. Of the four sides of the fence, one side's completed. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they can't finish the fencing until the drainage is done. Right. Because they need to get across the field, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the drainage is going surprisingly. Brilliant. Problem-free. That's really great. Free. Yeah. And you're a part of the world, and our part of the world, it's like, it's so boggy. Uh, trying to, and trying so to hire tradesmen and stuff to get stuff done is always a nightmare. And count on them. They don't just down their tiles one day and actually not come back. Do These you know? guys have been great. Brilliant. Yeah. So good. So hopefully by the end of next week, may, maybe, maybe, maybe the week after, but all the drainage will be done. We'll never, that field will no longer hold water. That's brilliant. It's really, really good. Oh God, it's just a dream for you guys as well. It'll just completely change what you can do. And mm-hmm. it's amazing. I was down with um, Mama Hen. We rescued a wee bird and just went down with it, a wee um, wood pigeon. And uh, oh, the kids, it was such a lovely experience for the kids, you know, oh, yeah. to actually see how that works. How's your hair? Is your because hair back? It's getting there. It's getting there. She looked, I know she, she shaved, she shaved yeah, it a while back. She looked good, actually. She looked really happy. And, you know, like, oh, usual, everything, million things was going on. But we brought over Squidge and the Pigeon, which we named him. And uh, I had to... Um, it was basically a wee pigeon that had just got out of the nest too early and it was just, it was a wee pigeon, it was a big fat one and it was stuck in this undergrowth in Moira on the way to my house and so we stopped and Anto had a nightmare trying to actually get the wee thing his arms yeah. were covered in nettles things and he just says, right, Mags, run up to the house and get a get a shoebox, get something we can transport this in. So I ran back to the house with Charlie and I said, right, we're going to get a shoebox this pigeon. The only shoebox I could find was this fucking design. My only one good pair of shoes, this designer pair of shoes. And I just went, and they got the shoebox and started hammering holes on it. And Oops. Charlie's like, mommy, that's your special shoebox. I says, I know. <laughs> Took my headscarf, my vintage headscarf off my head to calm it down and put it in. And she kind of said to us when we got there, like, Wood pigeons don't do that well, usually, mm-hmm. in any kind of captivity and stress. So I'll see what it can do. And I tell you something, she's a miracle worker. Two or three days, and pff, no problem. Went and released really joined. Yeah, released, no problem. Great. Flying, happy wee bird, and oh, I was delighted. But it was good, because we got a chance to get a load of eggs off her and make a wee donation over there and have a chat. So it was lovely. That's great. Mm. We here. Are we on? Yep, These are we're great. live. It's a great we set up. Excellent. Yeah, all fits in one bag. and It's fabulous. It's really, really good. I like it a lot. I'm not a Mac person, so the technicalities of it are probably well, lost. You know, on. It, <laughs> all, all the software mm. is mm. It's built right in. It's That's just fabulous. GarageBand. That's brilliant. It's really good. Easy, easy. I know, because usually when I do stuff like that, it's a wee tape in the middle of the table, so this, <laughs> this is an far more professional setup. It's great. Yeah. So, so how many are. weeks have you been self-employed now? 
officially um, went self-employed at the start of July. So I launched Grapefruit Moon, which is the arts consultancy business. But that's a kind of a banner. That's a, that's a headline for a lot of different things mm-hmm. because the services that, that I'm um, that I'm offering really range from um, I'm doing a lot of like kids drama tuition facilitation. I'm working with some people to work on a program with kids kids stand up comedy. So stand up comedy for kids workshops and classes. That's hilarious. It's it's going to oh be really gosh. really fun because I think that it you works in so well. That. I will. <laughs> And you see, this is the whole thing. You know, my six-year-old son has the capacity. to. I've been doing stand-up comedy for four years now. And he has the capacity to just, you know, make me think that everything I've learned is wrong. And <laughs> there's absolutely, because he is just so naturally gifted. Oh, yeah? And kids, I find, it's it's all really to do with, with self-confidence, public speaking, self-esteem. Stand-up comedy and public speaking, self-esteem, anything like that, it's all so interlinked. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I think that really me starting to do stand-up comedy four years ago was the key to me realising that I that I could I could go out on my own and be For a success. Sure. It was always something that I'd had in the back of my head as a kind of way, you know, I'd love to do that. That's in my bucket list. That's something that I'd really love to try to do. It would be terrifying. I'll maybe do it once and never do it again. But once you realise that... Um, People that go out to events like this, and this is the same with, with so many things, all different art forms and performance arts, is they, through there, they want to have fun. They want to engage. Do you know, they want for you to make them feel confident that, you know, they're here to have a good time. If for whenever you hit them with a with something that you think is pretty funny uh, at, the, at the start of a set and they laugh, then instantly everybody relaxes. Sure. And kids can use humour to disarm situations in life that otherwise would be very difficult, you know. Like, I've always kind of, I've always struggled with this. Okay, if somebody bullies a kid, if somebody bullies my son or says something mean to him, what do I do? Do I get him just to go up and say, like, that's not acceptable, you know, Mm -hmm. which the bullies aren't always necessarily going to respond to? Do I get him to walk away and ignore it? Or is there a way to take a combination of all those things and actually like use your wit, you know, use your intelligence and and um, and rely on things like that? So the, the stand-up comedy for kids thing is a mixture of like self-confidence, mm-hmm. having kids having confidence in their own ability, really good fun, and just yeah, just like you know, just just a bit of crack and for kids to realise you know what's what is funny. There's always like, you know. Toilet humour is a big thing with kids. There'll be lots of toilet humour in my stand-up comedy classes. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. It might, it might end up being some parents' worst nightmares, but not most of them, because they know what they're like. It's just bringing out the natural funniness of people. Mm-hmm. And like I say, when I started doing stand-up comedy uh, four years ago, I kind of realised that something that's an idea you have in the back of your head about something that you think might be good, think might be fun... It's just, it's always going to be a what if, if you don't give it a go, do you know? Absolutely. And the the contacts that I've made in that world have also kind of spanned, you know, out a lot further in terms of business ideas, working in the arts. Um, and and just also, there's, there's lots of communities, you know, particularly in Belfast, you know, and a lot of those communities are very interlinked. You know, the music community, the comedy community, the arts community, spoken word, poetry, performance, and in general, and by and large, people are extremely supportive, you know. Yeah. And 
the way that I see it is and the way that I've always seen it is, you know, if you work together with other people, you want to see them do well. They want to see you do well. Do you know, pe- people need to give each other a break. And it, it's really starting to happen, particularly in the city. It's, yeah. it, it's exciting, really, the stuff that's happening. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's, that's one of my kind of projects that I'm working on. And um, I've had a couple of people that are interested in running those. So I'm just going to I'm going to pilot them a few times and, you know, tidy them up. <laughs> are, are you doing them specifically with communities like like locales? Yeah, well, very, very much, really. It, it depends what the um, what the objectives are of the different. I mean, there's a lot of different sort of whether it be at local government or mm. community interest organizations out there that are running classes and workshops for whatever reasons. So, I mean, it's it's there and it's very um it's going to be an idea that I'm actually I'm working, I should say as well, I'm working with Infinite Chest, um, Graham Watson, who's a, a comedy promoter, and mm-hmm. he really would be, aside from all the big massive agencies that bring in the Give My Head piece people and the Mrs. Brown's boys and all, Graham would be the top comedy promoter in Belfast in terms of the stand-up shows, the shows that turn go to Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. He's a wonderful friend as well, and also a stand-up comedy teacher for adults. So, um so yeah, I mean it's totally transferable. Like it really, it, it is something that would be a really awesome thing to have in the community, in terms of community groups and sessions and setups. Because while comedy can be frivolous, it's good sometimes for it to be frivolous. It's good for it just to be something. It can also be really a necessity. absolutely, absolutely. Like the troubles comedy of the of the eighties and nineties in this country was what really you know lifted people up and our humor. What was it like? Um, What was that type of humor? Was it very safe and... No, not at all. I mean, um, most people will know all know of Patrick Hilty, who doesn't do a lot of Troubles comedy anymore. But Patrick Hilty's um, dad was actually killed in the Troubles, and so when people learn that, they actually think it's quite unusual that he kind of made his fortune out of making jokes about the Troubles. But that's mm. a very Northern Irish thing. It's a very Irish thing, even in general, that. Um, it was all everybody knew, you know, and it was really it was really necessary and it was really needed that people could go here, this is the thing about the prods, and here, this is the thing about the tags. And you know, and mm-hmm. it really it really unified audiences. And it's kind of I it's think be treading a th- it's thin line. Very much whether so. or not it's gonna unify yeah. the audience yeah. or <laughs> riot's gonna break out. That's the thing about Northern Ireland, you know, and that's what I kinda love about here, is that um People nearly want to laugh as much at themselves. There's a very self-deprecating wit in Northern mm-hmm. Ireland. It's probably I don't know if it's one of like, if it's something that took you a while to get used to, or just you automatically sort of went, "God, people here slag each other off a lot," <laughs> and you're not expected to take offence about it at all. And if you do, you're the odd one out. Whereas what was it Olivia said, <laughs> Olivia called one of my one of my exes a cow. Yeah. <laughs> Why? And in North America, you call somebody a cow, them's oh, really? fighting words, right? Oh, but, really? But over here, it <laughs> means you're <laughs> a cow. Everybody has, you know, a group of friends and they'll all have, um, they'll all have particular kind of, you know, nicknames or whatever. And, you know, the more self-deprecating, you know, the, the more kind of insulting the, ne- the nickname, usually like the more cherished that person is to yeah, you. Yeah. Like, really. And, uh, yeah, I think we're kind of, we've got a really good kind of mastery of the insult here. Um, and again, some of our comedy doesn't travel that well. I was, um, 
I host uh, as one of my other wee ventures that I do is I, I host a monthly night and um, which is part of actually a set of weekly events that happen in the Jiggy York upstairs the Jig of York French Comedy Club mm-hmm. and my night's called Duty Friday and it's a cabaret night it's very it's quite um, well it's very camp as you probably imagine we'll have a wee bit of drag we'll have some magic I always sing a bit of an opening number music's my other thing um, and we do an audience sing along at the end but it's you know the, the comedians that I book have to be I mean, I've always been very, very straight with from the from the get go. It has to be a really utterly inclusive night, you know. And there's nobody, there's no put downs based on people's like socioeconomic groups or sexuality or mm-hmm. anything like that. I'm, you know, if a comedian ever came out with anything like that on my stage, they'd be away. But this kind of general archness of of Northern Ireland comedy. We would get quite a lot of um, of tourists upstairs in the Duke of York because the Duke of York is, a, is quite a touristy bar. It's a great venue. We love it. And um, we, had a few, we had a few German girls that left in the interval a couple of weeks ago. And it wasn't, they didn't storm out in a huff. They weren't offended by anything. But I just think they were going, we don't get this because one of my comedians, David Doherty Jeb, who runs another one of the nights, um, he was doing a bit and he talked. About, he was talking about his mother. Mm-hmm. And you know, when anybody in Ireland talks about their mother, there'd be this collective eye roll on everybody. It'd be like, oh God, tell me all about it. And so he launched into this thing about, you know, whenever like he's, he's trying to watch something, he's watching Game of Thrones and then his mum turns up and he's just like, oh please, please don't get up the driveway until this bit happens, <laughs> please, because he knows he can't get rid of her. So he was going around the audience and saying, oh, what does your mum do that really annoys you? You know, what does your mum do that really fucking wrecks your head? And he got round to these these two girls, and he goes, "Okay, the, you know the girls from Germany. How are you? Blah blah blah." Um, so, what is your, you know, what's your relationship like with your mum? And they were like, "It is good." And he's like, "Well, <laughs> I know, but what does she do that really annoys you?" You know, she's like, "I love my mother. She is a wonderful woman." And the other, and he says, "Oh, okay, right. What about your mate? So, you know, how do you feel about your mum?" And she's like, uh, Oh, she's. I, I love my mother. I respect her greatly. And they, they were kind of taken aback that this whole room of Northern Irish people were united. And I, I, my quip back to them was, well, like you didn't have an Irish mother, yeah. do you know? Because <laughs> this is the thing, you know, the, the way that I feel about it really is if Charlie gets to 16 and he doesn't have any issues with me, I'm sending him into therapy to find yeah, out what the issues are because were, they're there. <laughs> you've been too light with him. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's the poor boy's grown up with a mum who's a stand up comedian. I mean, how how much worse could things actually be? Yeah. But um, but yeah. So they 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 just kind of didn't come back after the interval, and I think it was that sometimes this that you know these cultural things don't necessarily always travel. Sure. Which is why it delights me when people do well. Like Edinburgh is fine, right? Ulster Scots and Irish, and you know, it's we're all Celts, right? Um. But, you know, a few friends of mine have been over um, to comedy clubs around, like, the States and Boston. And the one thing that American comedians will do is they will, and I'm not sure if it's it's the same for Canadian comedians, because when I was in Canada, I didn't go and see a lot of comedy. But they will get that person on off the stage, and the comedians will start to give them so much feedback. And it's like... That's, you know, that's pretty hard to take sometimes, you know, it's like, it's the culture, it's the North American thing. It's always fun to go to a comedy club yeah. in North America yeah. and sit in the front row. And do the, do, right do the peck on, the, yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Really? Well, that's absolutely. good. I absolutely. I feel, see, this is like what you were talking about earlier, you know, getting your audience involved. Yeah. I love 
being a little bit of ammunition. Yeah. For the fight. Yeah. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not going to like spar with the guy or anything. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, back in the day, I would have had ridiculous hair. You know, well, the same hair I have Back now, in the day, more, Rob? <laughs> and I'd sit right up front. And, you know, yep. all my friends would be around me and eh, kind of looking a little Motley yeah. Crue like. And there you go, guy. You like being involved. We're, we're Here easy, we go. Easy target. Yeah. You loose. see, I think that, you know, I've always loved that too. And I've always sat at the front in comedy clubs. And I remember back whenever Al Murray had just become the pub landlord a long time ago. I was in Edinburgh. I must have been about 19 years old. And we couldn't understand why the front table was free. And I said to my <laughs> mates, oh, come on, we're here. We've got these free tickets. Come on up the front. They were like, yeah. You know, now... In fairness to him, he did completely, absolutely go for the jugular with us. But we did all come away with booze because he was going like, there you go, pint of beer for the gentleman, bottle of wine for the lady. So we all came away with bottles of wine. <laughs> it was really good. But I've, I've liked that too. I think that comedians, if they're good, will always be able to tell if somebody's up for it or not. Do you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you hear somebody get picked on, you think... Do you know, wow, but I generally don't. I just bring people into my world and have but a conversation. You, kinda, you have to expect it going into a comedy club in yeah. North America. Yeah, oh like yeah. You have to expect that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. if you are sitting with an eye shot of mm-hmm. the stage, if they see mm-hmm. you and you're doing something, like, mm-hmm. you know, you got your phone out. Or oh, yeah. Like, you that's know, you're talking game. to the person beside mm-hmm. you or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They're after you. Yeah, well, you know what, I th- I actually think that's good because I think another thing I do a lot is comparing and I do that kind of, you know, for fun with the clubs and the MCing and stuff. And I also do it kind of professionally as a service, like if somebody wants me to come and MC their event or compare their event. And I do think that, you know, it's like children and animals. They can see, audiences can see weakness. And if they think or they're blocked and they think they can get away with being like, like sometimes they will. I'm not saying the majority because the majority of people are great, I have to say. The majority of audiences are wonderful. Um, but you, you always get the odd person. And if they think that you're not in control of your night, mm-hmm. it's quite similar to taking a kid's drama class. Oh, yeah. They need to see you're in control. And Train they wreck. enjoy that feeling of there being an authority-ish figure going, okay, this is what we're doing next. And I'll always say when I'm introducing acts, right, look, these acts are here quite a lot of the time of like you know they're not necessarily getting paid a whole lot they're here because they love it they're here because they want to do it they're here to entertain you and you know if you guys think you can get up and do it brilliant I'll book you for my next night you know I'll give you five minutes no problem but having said that as well see if their comedy isn't for you it isn't for you but give them a chance you know just be respectful to all my acts and I'll always say that because I kind of think the audience appreciates that too they know you value your performers mm-hmm. that I have seen performers suffer badly, maybe because like an MC has kind of like just ignored the. And, and I also you've know also been warned as an audience member <laughs> that if you do do something, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, there's a brilliant, um, a brilliant compare in the um, in the Pavilion Comedy Club that runs on a Monday night. It's very much seen as almost being the new up and coming empire. I've performed there a good few times, and friends of mine run it. But Where's there's a the pavilion. The pavilion is in the Ormer Roads. It's the big black bar in the Ormer Roads sort of towards the city centre side of the Ormo. Oh, yeah? A uh, lot of, like, sports and football and stuff, but they oh, use yeah, their... Yeah, 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 that's right. They use their upstairs for comedy every Monday night. 
And uh, all their all their compars and the people that run the gig are brilliant. There's one in particular called Connor McGinley, and he will just literally leap up and say, "There's a comedian up there, and they're getting shit from the audience." Connor will just leap up on stage, grab the mic, and he'll just basically bring it down and get right into the person's face, and completely just you know what I mean. Yeah. He, he'll just disarm them automatically, and he's great. And you know what? Should see he those be doing that? Audience, the audience still love him. I mean, and you see those people that he's disarming the people that he's leaping up and he's getting right into their face and saying hear me it do you know what I mean like yeah. have better respect and you're really annoying everybody else too and he'll say he'll pretty much do this he'll say to everybody that's the audience can everybody just say along with me one two three shut the fuck up <laughs> and you know even the people that he's kind of telling off love him like they yeah. love that they like the attention a lot of the time they like being told to shut up do you know they might, they might just forget themselves and start talking again. Connor will just do the same thing again. But, you know, this is it. It's, you know, there are different reasons why people go to comedy. And I guess that there's some people in Belfast maybe they go to comedy nights because they want to heckle a comedian. They just want to do that. that there's not that many of them, though. I've, I've yeah. always had a great crowd. And it's probably because my, my comedy night wouldn't be for your average, you know, big shouty lout, you know, they maybe don't necessarily want to come to see um, drag and jugglers and magicians and mm. people singing cabaret songs. <laughs> but there, there have been a few of them and you just have to deal with everybody differently. Do you I'm know? sure Olivia would love it. Yeah. She'd get her out one night. Absolutely. I would totally love I mean, I just want my ethos with the cabaret nights and I'm going to be bringing them to a venue I'm working for at the Minute Hour Space in Lisburn. Um want to develop their programme of evening events as well. Which art space? Um, it's, it's our space gallery, the one, the, it's a 17th century building, it's just right opposite Cirque, right opposite the college. Oh yeah. And yeah, it has a few artist studios out the back, they've done a lot of, they kind of do a lot of mixed comedy in Lennon, Castle Street, yeah, on yeah, Castle Street, they've got, there's massive big, um, there's a lot of work going on beside them because yeah, the ancient building cool. beside them just kind of fell down, unfortunately, and fell into their building a bit. But they're wanting to, they've taken me on on a contract to do several different things, but one of them is to help them develop their, their programme of evening events. So very specifically, I want to set up really what are kind of known in a lot of artistic circles as salons, you know. So like a comedian salon, places where artists can come and share ideas and like a, a poetry one where people are coming. And so it's kind of like a collective. Mm -hmm. um, but out of that, you know, Obviously, Lisburn has an evening economy issue and there are a lot of people trying to find a lot of ways around it at the minute. And to me, it's about getting together. It's about everybody, the bars, the pubs, the restaurants, the venues. There's only really two, you know, or three possibly un possible entertainment venues is actually really getting together and going, OK, let's work together under a strategy. You know, you can yeah. do it. We collect things yourself. But actually having a strategy for what we're going to do to bring a bit of life back so one of the things is, is trying to do like a monthly cabaret night but really bringing in artists bringing in people that are doing spoken words and even just bringing cool. in people to tell their stories you know yeah. storytelling is great i want to hear people's stories you know i'm actually doing i'm involved it doesn't, it doesn't um, have to be a punchline there doesn't have to be no. just, just to hear no yeah. Experiences. Yeah, it's like the you know there are a lot there you know there's a growing kind of circle of events in, in Belfast that are taking that on that, and that's the other thing about about Ireland and about Northern Ireland. Do you know storytelling mm -hmm. is what we do? Oh yeah, that's what we do when we get together in <laughs> the bar. Subconsciously, right? you do it. This as is, soon as you bump into somebody on the street, they're already telling you a story. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why with, with my kind of style of comedy and, and public speaking and all of that, a lot of people adopt personas and that's fun for them and it's good. But I've never been a character person, even though we used to act a lot. Because to me, doing stand-up is pretty much... If you've got a story to tell, get up and tell it. And if it's funny, all the better. Do you know? But do you know what? It'll be funny anyway, because life is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Families Put some inflection are. in your voice and you know, make, a, <laughs> make a couple of silly sounds and pause, throw your arms in the air. Pause for laughter. Yeah. <laughs> do you know? But that, that's what happens. And life is weird, right? Life is nuts. And, you know... Um, People appreciate that about other people's lives, you know. Like, I'll do quite a lot of stuff about, you know, with, with a, I'll say really, like, a feminist undertone. Like, I'm quite open about being a feminist, you know. But what feminist actually means isn't necessarily what a lot of people out there think, think that it, it means. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just basically tell my story about what it, what it's like to be a female stand-up comedian. What's it like to be sometimes, you know, a single mom or, you know, all of these things. And it's, uh, there's, so, there's so much in there that's relatable. It has to be, to yeah. me, if you have a story to tell that's relatable, it needs to be heard, you know. Yep. It's always a good thing. So, that's another so what idea. was your first night like doing stand-up? Oh, wow. Where was it? It was in the black box in the green room. It was my gig that was the kind of graduation gig of my stand-up class. Mm -hmm. And I did a PowerPoint presentation about hipsters. <laughs> Meanwhile, Graham, who was my comedy teacher, said, oh, Mags, now be careful now of, you know, bringing in too many props or things, you know, visuals, yeah. you know, because, you know, we really want to hear what you're saying and all. And he'd said to me as well about... Um, about, you know, just because he'd obviously seen me do stand-up within the class and all. And uh -huh. It used to be whenever I felt quite nervous about stand-up, you know, I would swear more. And, you know, <laughs> like every other word, like I would curse loads. So I kind of got up and I went, okay. And it was a really friendly gig. It was lovely because there was a lot of friends and family of people that had graduated the course that were mm -hmm. there to hear me. So I got a couple of PowerPoints. Where, where, where were you in the lineup? Oh, goodness me, where was I on the lineup? I think I was relatively kind of in the middle. Yeah. Um, so they warmed up a bit. Yeah. I mean, openers, it goes like this really in comedy. You, you're one of the kind of many comedians, maybe on a night like The Path. The next step is you get to be opener, right? Opener is it was slightly bit longer. And it's kind of that, that step down from headliner just. And it's great to be asked to be an opener. And it's nearly almost... Um, almost more of a privilege to be asked to be an opener because it's that energy thing you get people up you relax them yeah. so yeah I was already grammed at his usual compar shtick and going around the audience and saying what do you do for a living I work in a bank right okay what do you do for a living <laughs> do you know what I mean that's just his shtick but um but yeah so no I kind of opened with um Okay, so I'm here and I'm going to talk a bit about, you know, hipsters in Belfast. But first I want to say that obviously I'm new to stand-up comedy. People get a lot of advice in life. And um, I've done the stand-up comedy course. And one of the uh, one of the pieces of advice that I've got is from, uh, is from Graham, who's, who's, um, who's taught us this course. And he said to me, Mags, you know, I think maybe you, might, you curse slightly too much. So try to keep that to a minimum. And so I'd just like to start by saying... Fuck you, Graham. <laughs> you know, when you do something like that, you know yeah. people are going to laugh. You know that you can just 
relax outfit, for sure. you relax they relax and you can just go for it then you know so that was hipsters I didn't I didn't keep on the hipsters routine for too long I think I did it to death really mm-hmm. I did a lot of stuff about hipsters and then it was already based around the kind of the the fear that now that hipsters becoming mainstream that um hipsters are now going to have to start becoming mainstream in order to be true hipsters. Do you know? Because <laughs> it's like <laughs> they had to say that it was them, do you know? Um, so, yeah, it was, and it was PowerPoint, so it was very visually... I, I picked really funny images and brought them in at the right time. And I've kind of dabbled with PowerPoint since. I like yeah. it a lot. It does a lot of your job for you. This yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> lazy, lazy comedians. <laughs> so do you, do you do much uh, storytelling? Mm. Really, I, my usual my usual stick is, is a lot of stories interwoven together. I mean, at the minute, it's funny because two of the things I'm doing are related in that. I'm doing the, the drama that I do with kids is very much telling stories, you know, getting them to kind of act out those stories and drama, bringing the themes out of them and mm-hmm. then like moving it into like dance and music and different kind of stuff like that. My my comedy's very much just based on on stories. I do a lot of stuff about my family. Yeah. I do a lot of stuff about this, like this step upper lip, traditional Ulster Scots, you know, like the way that um, particularly my female relatives which is, they don't even have to say anything, Rob. They just judge it with their eyes. Do you know what I mean? It's oh, just yeah. the kind of the side Every eye. Every Christmas I go through it. Do you go through <laughs> it? And do you get this kind of this passive aggressive? Do you know what I call my mum Prodzilla? Do you know what I mean? It's this passive aggressive kind of. And it doesn't even need it. She doesn't even need to do anything. Like she'll come around to my house and let herself in because she has a key and that's mm. based on very practical reasons about occasionally sometimes she picks up Charlie she brings him home so she has a key and I had to explain this to my partner when he moved in like Anto's been living with me now nearly two years and I had to explain to him okay look my mum will come around and she'll tidy and he's like oh that's great <laughs> she comes around I says no she doesn't just tidy she aggressively tidies <laughs> It's like she's judging me. This doesn't need to be here. Exactly. She should be over here. She's judging me by exactly how tidy it will be. Like, this is the benchmark of acceptableness for an adult of your, you know, and it's just, I, I oh, just, yeah. it's wild, isn't it? It's absolutely wild. Um, tidy people, really exceptionally tidy people, just like they terrify me. <laughs> their their lives are too orderly. Just, well, what do they say? You know, the messy people, messy desk, creative person. Well, see, that's the sense. And I'm, I guess I'm halfway there because if that's true, then my partner, Anto, is an exceptionally creative person. And he is. He definitely is. But, you know, he definitely sees the finer details. I see the wider picture. And as long as things are relatively clear space for me, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But, you know... I will just put things behind that door and close it and forget about them. <laughs> I can't see my desk. <laughs> can't. Well, I know it's made out of wood, <laughs> but other than that, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. But that works for you, right? I have no you space. Know. I have no space. I have no space to spread stuff out and organize it. And when I do, uh-huh. you know, it, it's a trail leading out into the into the living room through mm. the hallway. Like I just. But you guys have lots of outdoors, like actual lands. I have have tables set up in the yard to put stuff on. Oh, just to put (laughs) stuff on? Because I'm thinking, like, what about a kind of a... My sister is a writer, and um, 
she kind of just like they just got a shed for her because she was like I just oh, yeah. I cannot I cannot move in this house I just gonna and in the winter it's so fucking cold <laughs> like she just can't even move her fingers she has to write with oh, gloves yeah yeah they just they just she just said like I, I want a shed if I can't have any other space I need a shed yeah and it's it's kind of funny we have a shed too and sometimes Andrew goes out and write, writes music in the shed and I'm very much encouraging of this you know I got a tree house you got your tree house I got That's a tree right. house that's right. Whenever you put on Facebook, it was an Airbnb. I thought you were. I thought you were for real. <laughs> I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> I'm still you? thinking about it. Do you know what? There's people that have that have went forward with yeah. stranger. If I put a curtain up behind it, we could make. Actually, you know what we did? Wendy's out in that little area now. Yeah, Wendy, awkward, Wendy, the sheep. Wendy the shape. And we put up like a wind barrier around the base of the treehouse. Yeah. So we could actually maybe put a little portaloo in the bottom. There, you, there go. you go. It's all set up. Listen, do you know people go camping and do you know what I mean? They've got a lot less, but oh, yeah. they get the fresh air. So yeah. that's what I just, I'm just back from Sunflower Fest. I didn't have a hangover the entire three nights and three days at a festival and I did not have one hangover and it was fresh air. That's all I can kind of say. It's like you you go to sleep and you're breathing it in and you wake up. Your head hits no, the pillow, you just crash. That's it. I felt amazing. That's it was great. fantastic. At a really funny moment at Sunflower Fest, I was kind of pumping up the air bed for the kids because we bring the kids on a Sunday. And you know the way, like the air bed you're pumping up, it's going inch, 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 inch. I was kind of getting into a rhythm of it, like you do inch, 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 inch. And out of nowhere, and this is just absolutely characteristic of Sunflower Fest, right? Such a wee happy festival. <laughs> I turned around and there were these two guys and you could only describe them as, the, I mean, they were full happy. Full hippie. Oh, yeah. uh, they were like, they were like, we want our minstrels. One of them had like bongos around his neck, and the other one had a tambourine. And they just happened to walk up beside me and they started tapping out a beat. <laughs> and we kind of jammed until like the airbeds were blown up. Nice. And then I was like, that's it, lads. And they went, thanks very much. And they just disappeared <laughs> off. As if, as if they had been a mirage. Looking, looking for somebody <laughs> who's stirring in a bowl or something next, or cooking some eggs. It was just probably my best moment of the day. This is it. I love people. People are so funny. You know, things that happen in this life. It's just, you know, there is hilarity everywhere to be seen. And hopefully they get the, you know, well, those kids did, definitely. But just stop taking yourself so fucking seriously. Absolutely. You know what? It's not your company. I know. Yeah, you work for it. But it ain't your money. You're right. Let loose a bit. It's very, very easy to get trapped in this corporate, you know, kind of cycle of like I was probably got looking back on it now, it was really kind of a cycle of despair because your boss or your big company are saying to you, Okay, number one, you're just a number, you're dispensable. If you oh, get yeah. hit by a bus tomorrow, oh, yeah. you'll be replaced don't in a week. Think, don't ever <laughs> think that you're so valuable the company wouldn't survive Never. without you. Ever. Never. The only company that wouldn't survive without you is your own company, you know. Yeah. But basically, you've got that, but they're also telling you surreptitiously, like the kind of the vibe that you get whenever you're employed, you're working for an employer, and the other people are like, you're not thinking of leaving? Or have you got another job? There's no jobs. Well, do you know, I think that what it is is that people giving you that kind of notion that you can't live without this full-time wage. When you actually sit back and look at what you're spending that on, 
a lot of the times you're spending it on shite mm-hmm. because you're so anxious and stressed out about the bullshit that you're having to put up with every day. Mm-hmm. That you go in, you spend your salary on stuff, shit that you do yeah. not need. Oh, yeah. Because you're so stressed. It's you this horrible vicious 52 circle. inch LCD TV and the yeah. gaming system. How does any, why does anybody need this shit? Like, really? I mean, I, me and Anto, luckily enough, my partner's exactly the same as me. We've got these two cars that we're going to drive into the absolute grind. I've never owned a new car in my life. It's the biggest waste of money, I think, yep. of all time. We live in a small and completely chaotic household. I mean, like, it was chaotic enough when it was just me and Charlie. And I moved um, my partner and, and his wee girl in there too. It's like, it's this. But you know what? They go down to bed and we get a couple of hours of sanity after that every night to do our thing. And... Usually what we can do is just collapse on the sofa because we're so completely you know, exhausted. But, do you know, I would much rather be there, like we just rant, right? Do you know, rather than get myself saddled in a humongous mortgage that's mm-hmm. going to put me in debt until I'm wrinkly um, and just be totally stressed about, about this bill-paying circle of shit that is life. Totally. You know? But it's, it's so easy to get into, Rob. And once you're in it, it's so hard to see a way out. And I literally, I, you know... So what was the epiphany for you then? I... Okay, oh, it started me. four years ago a lot with of things. stand-up and everything. A lot but of things. What what ended up just coming to a head? Well, my I worked for local government for 10 years. And towards the end of my career, though, there was a lot of changes. And things started to get a lot more. And I mean, this isn't specific to one particular council or even one particular public sector organisation mm-hmm. or one organisation at all. This just happens. Things can be going along merrily. And then, you know, people bosses, HRs, people start to clamp down on the things that aren't so important and creativity gets stifled. So I believe that the place I was working in now, instead of just doing your normal clock in and out, they've got facial recognition software now. For what? (laughs) For people to clock their hours in and out. Like by the minute that you work, you have to show like your your face to this facial recognition software because they're saying to the staff, you know what, we don't trust you. We don't trust that you won't give your pass to somebody else to clock you in. But what happens to you whenever people say we don't trust you? You know, what happens to you whenever people say you become completely exactly you become completely disenfranchised. So I got to the stage where the epiphany for me was whenever the anxiety that I didn't know that I had actually started to manifest itself physically. I started taking like, you know, this kind of skin, this um Uticaria, like these itchy rashes, like my histamine levels were sky high. And I went to the doctor and said, Am I allergic to something? I've taken an allergic reaction. <laughs> You're allergic and to the your job. Doctor, exactly. <laughs> and the doctor was like, Wow, okay, so let's say you're 35. Do you write your prescription for? Quitting. Well, eventually, yes. Because he went like, you're 35. Is there anything you've taken recently you haven't had before? What's your diet like? I'm like, look, I'm a vegetarian. So see if I sat down, wrote down every different food stuff that I had all day. I would have 50 different types of things that I ate during the day. And all of those I've been eating all my life. Mm-hmm. And there's really nothing. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't work it out. But then things started to get worse. Do you know, I started to like literally take the swelling in my lips and in my tongue. It was really dangerous. I had to go to A&E. Really? About four, about four times over the space of two or three weeks, I was in A&E and they were giving me steroids and they were considering giving me EpiPen Yeesh. and all this here. And all my 
um, I got all these tests and all my results were sent to a specialist in allergies, like this allergy clinic or whatever. And they came back and they went, Negative. this is, this lady is not allergic to anything. <laughs> this is called chronic urticaria and it is by and large most likely a result of ongoing stress and anxiety. And I went, you know what? I like, wow. wow. Because you can feed off stress whenever you're in your 20s. You can keep going and keep going and keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. But your body eventually just goes no more. Do you know, I mean, I'm a real believer in when you get, you know, when things, you know, like you get to sort of like into your 30s and things like, you know, your eyesight starts to fail and your hearing isn't as good and everything starts to go downhill. And then also <laughs> your body just quits with its tolerance for this this mental bullshit anxiety that goes on and in a lot of workplaces. And it just goes, no, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm just going to shut down, Do you know. So I went off for a while because I was like, OK, I've obviously been experiencing anxiety. I didn't even know I had because mm-hmm. I was so used to it. And um, and that 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 was it. I just like to wake up in the morning and to actually start to have business ideas, put research into things that I loved. And you were doing this while you were off. while I was off, yeah. and I just thought, you know what, I am going to use this time, and I am going to really think and reassess what I could actually be doing. So yeah, and like and I. I picked up a book one day I was in Waterstones and I just love the title of it and there's a series of books and they're just called Fuck It and this one's just Fuck It, Do What You Love and it's an entire book that is just basically it's, it's one of these books you can pick up and leave down and just you know read it in wee bits and it was re- it's really just all about do you know what, seriously if you hate your life and if you're not inspired by your job somebody else might be inspired by them that job fine, let them have it you know Look at what it is that you actually need to spend, the money that you really need to spend, right? Yeah. And go, okay, what do I actually need, right? How can I go about making that? Who do I know? What do I love? What have I done? What are my talents? And above all, don't be fucking worrying. Because at the end of the day, if it goes tits up, and I went tits up for so many people, the billionaires out there who have been bankrupt, you know, and it's not about being a billionaire. If you do it to be a billionaire, by the mm-hmm. way, folks, it's gonna just don't don't even just go and you know reassess your uh, reassess your theories of life. But um, if you just want to keep yourself alive and your family and bring something in, doing what you love, I'm telling you now, you can do it, and you don't need to have another job to go to. Like you don't. Yep. Just quit. It, it, you know? it costs you more to be in an unhappy job at the end of the day. Completely. Because you're stressed out at night. You think, I really should bring lunch into work. But I'm too tired and I'm too stressed out to be organising food or eating healthily or doing all those things. So I'll just buy. So you're buying lunch every day. You're, you're spending the petrol money to go yep. into this place that you hate. Yep. You're spending money on childcare to send your kids on somewhere. Vacations. On vacations to get away need. from that shit yep. that you hate. Whenever, like and you've literally. Bought, you've got yourself an apartment or a house that you really don't need. <laughs> that you've got no. because you have the job that you have. Exactly. If you didn't have the job you'd have, mm-hmm. you'd be in a smaller house, you'd have mm-hmm. less shit, yeah. you'd be happier. Yeah. And you'd be doing the thing that you want to do. And you know what? See all that shit you have, sell it all on fucking eBay. People will buy it. People will hey, want it. It's that, you know? old, it's that old one year saying, right? If you haven't used it in a year, sell it. Get rid of it. Yep. You know? Also, there Harder. are absolutely. Hoarder. Yeah. Hoarder. <laughs> Hoarder. 
was the last time you were in a storage unit? Well, yeah, well, exactly. Do you have a storage unit? No, I do not have a storage (laughs) unit. My house is my storage (laughs) unit, and it actually resembles a storage unit sometimes, quite too much of the time, in fact. But, yeah, I mean, it's like this here. Do you know, well, you know, having said that, sometimes, oftentimes, I do say to Anto, you see the six guitars that are down here on our we wall mount our guitars. There literally isn't any other room, and they look really pretty. See the six guitars down here, Anto, and the other two that are upstairs, and then my other two that are in the roof space. And he just he just stops me dead. And he says, "Mags, if you're going to ask me, do I need these instruments?" He just, you know, you need to actually think about that question. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's right. I actually, you know, you do. We need these instruments. But uh, most of it, like one of them was made by his dad. You know, one of them was given to him free. One of them was broken and he got it fixed. It's a love, There's always you know, going to be that sentimental value. Instruments that are. Attachment. Uh, are but, the kind of, the, you and, know. And if you're using them, again, especially Absolutely. for your livelihood. Absolutely. Or for your enjoyment. But, you but know, if you haven't picked it up in a year, and absolutely. it's something that you don't really use oh, for your true. enjoyment. Yeah. This is true. I just, yeah, I really, really think that all the shit we buy is because we're stressed. It's because of the rat race, and it's because of the fact that we're also surrounded by other people, that like capitalism is king, and they're going, oh, we got this, and we got that, and getting this. Do you know, I like, do you know, guys, I, you know, I, an iPhone success would be completely wasted on me. A what? An iPhone 6S. I'm, I'm renewing my mobile contract right now. I know, but you're an iPerson, Rob. <laughs> and what you do, like your technology is all based on this platform, right? Whereas I have like a Samsung thing here and something works off Android there. And, you know, Anto has an iPhone and all. And he's like, but, you know, I'm just like, look, does it work? Does it charge? Will it connect me to the world? <laughs> I love social media, by the way. I mean, I love it. Social media yeah. is, yeah, I love it. Do you? I love it. I think the benefits far away the the the, uh, the downfall. How many? How how long do you spend on it? Let's say in a week or a day. Or I check in on it. You know what I mean. Like people generally, people know now that they're far more likely to get me if they send me a Facebook message than a text. So I do use it as as one of my main forms of contact. I wouldn't. I, I would sit so down would, at the so kitchen. Would you, would you use Facebook professionally? Oh yeah, yeah, I Would do you use as it well. To communicate to I clients. Do. And I stuff? do, I do use it professionally. I don't necessarily use it as a as a messaging with clients because I don't really like. There's a few we, um, I don't really like that messenger that, for businesses. I yeah. don't think that it really works that well. But I certainly use it in terms of um, promotions, letting people yeah, know what okay. I'm up to, posting sure, pictures. Sure. It's it's instant. It's fast. But I think that, that one of the things with social media, one of the things I love about social media, particularly in the last few years, is, um, you know, it's the kind of, it's, you know, people coming together with, in protest, you know, people mm-hmm. coming together and because you can't rely on mainstream media to tell everybody's stories, you know, and social or media truth. or the truth at all. <laughs> social media The fact that is, Twitter can can explode yes. and you can find out in two seconds that there's something crazy going on in Exactly. In what Europe. do you do whenever you think, oh God, has something happened? I've heard something that's checked right there. Do you know, you don't yep. necessarily go on to those, those big mainstream... Well, I've, I've done that in the past, mm-hmm. especially recently mm-hmm. with the stuff that's been going on in the world and I'm surprised mm-hmm. how slow yeah. news media is. Yep. Like how slowly they yep. catch on to things yep. and then when they do catch on to yep. things it's two lame paragraphs 
a bunch of images they ripped off of Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> I know. And it's Liz. I, and, and, um, and a fourth fourth image of the person whose mm-hmm. Instagram account they ripped off, of, yeah. like a portrait of that person or her yeah. or him. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's like this. Well, you know, journalism in general, that's that's another story. My mommy worked in, in paper journalism for, well, she, was, she wasn't a journalist. She worked in advertising, but having no one been in now, like 40 years, the last 40 years of her career, we're working for, for local broadsheet media. Mm-hmm. And... Um, now, really, all of those papers are are um, oh, get in touch with us with your stories. The photographers are gone; they're taking Lame. pictures off iPhones for Lame. people. It's so Lame. difficult for people that actually are skilled broadcasters, skilled journalists, skilled photographers to actually practice their their business. It's the dumbing down. Yep. The digital dumbing down of mm-hmm. society. Yep, and so th- that's for and that's kind of ironic then that I'm sitting here saying. You know, I'm I'm a fan of social media, but I'm a fan of social media because it's real. Because people, actually, real people, have you know have a platform, and they're also able to connect in with people that they wouldn't have met otherwise. And I mean, say you're out and on your own, and you live in the middle of nowhere, and you know you can have a community, you know, of mm-hmm. people that are going like-minded people, just, yeah, that are going like, do you know what? This just this isn't good enough. This isn't you know. Um, this isn't fair. It's not just if you're relying on the on the mainstream voices to tell you what's what's good and what's bad, then you're unfortunately you're you're barking up the wrong tree. Mm-hmm. Although I do think I would actually say as well though that it's it's healthy to take a break sometimes. <laughs> it's good to kind of to tone it down and say you know what there's just there's too many voices in my head right now, so I'm <laughs> going to shut the laptop. Yeah. I'm going to put the phone away and I'm gonna I'm gonna have a bit of time and just get this. You I know, take the app off the phone. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Yeah. And then when I feel I've had mm-hmm. enough, mm-hmm. then I'll put the app back on, mm. change the password so I forget it all the time. Because you'd be running your business pages as well, so then there's See, always my that. My business, mm-hmm. I, have no, I have no reason to be on Facebook. Yeah, okay. Except mm-hmm. for family and friends. Yeah, well, Because my business go. doesn't revolve around Facebook at all. Fair like enough. Like, it's not... Yeah. You know, I can mm-hmm. have a, a decent blog, but even my blog... You know, know. I'm not getting clients reading my blog. I'm getting peers reading my blog. Yeah, yeah. It's more an expression. It's more a creative tool for you to kind of. My thing, yeah, is Instagram. Yeah, I can connect with more creative Mm. directors and art directors through Instagram, right? And LinkedIn. Yeah, I can with Facebook or Mm. Twitter or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You see, because like (laughs) LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a thing. It works for a lot of people, and. my my partner's a, a scientist, and he would get job offers. I never could understand. Oh, this. the I'm silly like, ones! What? I know, but then he got some. He, he did go through a stage where, when his his PhD is LinkedIn, is LinkedIn, is LinkedIn, is yeah. LinkedIn. So he has that. So people like maybe read read the subject what the PhD is about, and because it's quite specialist, they go, "Oh, do you know dioxins? You know, you're an expert in dioxins. Would you like to come and do this project? That's far enough." But then, like you say, these silly ones that you get. You read through this job offer and you read down to the end of it and then it goes, feel free to pass on to anybody else, you know? I Thanks. I feel special. Honestly. So special. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, you know what I know with in the world of self-employment and actually getting out there, you know, 
putting faces to names, making connections, literally just introducing yourself, ringing up old connections that you made maybe years ago that you were working on something different and going here. Did you know I'm self-employed now? It actually works, you know. The great thing Mm -hmm. I've found with PDAs, Mm -hmm. these, Mm -hmm. you know, before this, Mm -hmm. years ago, I had a Palm Pilot, Mm -hmm. you know, which was Mm -hmm. basically this without without the phone part. Yeah. And I had 10,000 contacts. Yeah. You know, I collected everybody's name yeah. and everything that they did. Yeah. And, I, and then when I got an iPhone, yeah. I transferred all that information yeah. over and I collect everybody else's name. Yeah. And I have mailing lists and I, mm. I'd, it's not necessarily always up to date, Yeah. but at least I know where they were, mm. like what their address was, what their phone number was. Yeah. And then I can go find their digital footprint online and yes. say, okay, that's the same name. He was there. He's now here. And then I can track them you see, down there's easier. another benefit. You can, I mean, as long as it's not for sinister purposes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's really easy just to go, like, for example, you know, I'll maybe get an inquiry through and say, oh, a friend of mine wants to know if you could do such and such a thing. I might only have a name. And I'm thinking, okay, this person's going to ring me and ask me if I can deliver a workshop or do whatever, but I have no information about this. But, you know, if I just put that person's name into Facebook, I can see what it is they're expecting of me. Mm -hmm. So whenever they do call me and say, oh, here, can you do this? We can have a conversation about, you know, okay, so I see you do this or this is what this. And I can kind of think that through in my head first. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. And that's also a good thing. And also, it's it's obviously got to do with permissions. You know, we can see what people want us to see. Some people don't realize that we can see slightly more. But... um, but this is it. As long as I think people are clever about their own permissions and what they want people to, to be able to see and find out, then it's, it, it can be a good, you know, a, a good kind of a, a, um, a conduit, you know, for, mm-hmm. for being able to actually, you know, get messages across and also, you know, you know get, get some work on the go. But yeah, I mean... There's so a, you yeah. find Facebook's working for you for your Grapefruit Moon? It's hard to know because, like I say, that Grapefruit Moon site has only been up slightly more than a month. What I really need to do and uh, is actually get the page, the blog, which is set up, but I haven't actually written on it yet, mm-hmm. and the website all kind of happening together. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I yeah. really kind of need those things, those well, things to what happen. What kind of content are you going to put Are you going to put like? audio or video and stuff on there yeah i mean i need to really think about this i've got i've got a brilliant website designer i do need some photography so mm-hmm. we need to talk about this this is you've heard it here first folks i am <laughs> i am center off i need I some photography some i need some <laughs> photography but yeah um i'd like to you see eventually like my my kind of my longer term plans are eventually a premises a premises that has retail and space for workshops, classes, a bit of a community hub. Um, I, I'd like, essentially, I'd like a three-story premises. Wow. One with retail, one floor of retail at the bottom. And, like, the retail won't make me any money. That's not, you know, it's really, it's really the kind of the hire and the facilitation. My background would be in, you know, in terms of local government and facilitating and, and arranging the hire of artistic spaces and workshops, but also the um, uh, the selling of workshops, classes, all that sort of things, which are okay. immensely popular. 
you know, there's always a market for that. And yeah. then also there needs to be a community meeting space. There needs to be somewhere where people can just get together, a hub. And whether it be, I mean, there's an LGBT in Lisburn. Do you know, there really? are, exactly, you know, there are there are people that people don't even know about because they don't have they, they don't have the presence yet, but there yeah. are there's Lisburn LGBT. I'm sure there is. I'm, and I really want to be able to another passion of mine is to get get people like that that are in like community community sector like organisations bodies and constituted organisations and say okay, right you know what is it that you want to do? I'll help you. Let's get you get let's get you into that Mars Carnival parade in Lisburn. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's no reason why you shouldn't be. Do you know what? Do you think there should be a Lisburn Pride? There should be a Lisburn Pride, okay? There's yeah. no reason why there shouldn't be. Let's get it sorted. I want to, you know, I really have a real passion for being able to go, okay, you have a creative idea. I have the nuts and bolts to help you make it happen. Let's do it. Get it off the ground. And, you know, make those contacts. Get it promoted. Get it organised. Get it, you know, get the motivation going and get up and do it because you really... There, there are a lot of creative ideas out there. Creative people don't necessarily always... They put themselves down, creative people, and they'll say, oh, I'm not a business person. I don't know how to do business. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Oh, yeah. The skills potentially are there. They just need to be honed. It just needs to be, okay, here's a checklist for every event you do. Here's a, you know... I just kind of want to help people make those, you know, make those wee leaps and just mm-hmm. kind of send them off and go, right, I go and do it and have, you know and have fun and make money if that's what you want to do and go and do it. Yeah. So that's what I want to do. I want to eventually have a premises. So eventually the website will contain like booking facilities, things like that. But okay. at the minute I kind of, you know, I wanted to be more of a kind of a, a showcase and a, you know, and people, that, you know, people that can contact me easily, know what it is that I offer and have like kind of, you know, biogs and exactly what it is that, you know, that I can help them out with. And also links, you know, links to other, like signposts on other organisations that can help too. Mm-hmm. Like I say, it's all, to me, the creative community in Northern Ireland as a community. We need to be helping each other. We need to be using each other. And what I would really say as well is if you are a self-employed person and you need a service from somebody else, use another self-employed person. Use another small business. Yeah, They'll remember you and you will remember them. Definitely. Do you know? Yep. Don't go to the big boys to help you out with the things that you need. They're fine. They've got big corporate and contracts. They'll forget, you. they'll forget you, and they don't really care that much. You know, if you if there is, I'm at the minute I'm trying to put together a, a kind of a, a vintage Christmas craft and curios market thing coming up to Christmas. I need like literally two food stalls, right? They're right beside the gallery that I'm working at the minute. There are two girls that are running their own business. Um, and I just literally walked into them the other day and I said, right, do you know, you're right beside us. So do you want to, you know, use your catering ability, experience, licensing, risk assessments, all the things I don't have mm-hmm. and come and do this for us. And then, you know, you could you could potentially, you know, do really well out of this. And I want it to be the likes of you guys, even though we might have to work this out a wee bit more than me just calling up some professionals just to run and, you know, and do this. Because I really, really wanted to be local and I wanted to be other self-employed people. Yeah. Do you know, and that's that, that's my kind of passion, is there for to be a real network of people that all work together. And, you know. So are you actually getting names? Are you, like... 
I'm putting. I'm creating a network. Of yeah. Well, I mean, I'm foundations. That that's that's something that I'm really that I'm really that I'm really trying to start at the minute that I'm really trying to foster and that's it and I'm like you Rob whenever I have somebody and I think okay so for example if it could be a friend of mine that's a self-employed website designer a friend of mine that's a self-employed photographer a friend of mine that's a self-employed catering business do you know designer as well if a friend of mine that's a, a does um, designing from home I know they're all exceptionally talented and, and creative individuals and I will like I say that bringing people together in a database it's a brilliant it is a brilliant idea and I know there's a lot of networking events but I go to some of these networking events and they're they're not all they're cracked up to be sometimes they are they do contain quite a lot of people that represent the the big corporations as well they're hiding in there yeah oh yeah like you know I was sent to those things when I worked for local government and I thought well these are really aren't for me. These are really more meant to be for people that are doing their own thing. And, you know, entrepreneurs, really, you know, I kind of was a bit of a charlatan of these things because I was like, mm-hmm. God, I just get paid my salary no matter what, you know. I keep getting invited to them and I just don't, I don't see the benefit yet. I don't no. know, maybe I need to go to one. But they always seem to be at 7.30 on a Thursday morning. <laughs> All right, business breakfasts. No, don't go to any of them. They're their crap. Oh. Don't go to the business breakfasts. They're just their kind of chamber of commerce. I, rah, went, rah, rah, I, rah. Went to, <laughs> I went to a mixer a couple of years ago yeah. at one of the bars on the other side of town. And it was great. And great. those people that I met that night, all those people, I'm still in contact with. I think I remember that. Was that in the Sunflower? Did it have a really R- cool graph? RGB, RBG. Bar? I don't know, but did it have a really cool graphic of like? I kind of remember being invited to that event and not being able to go. This um, was for a, a group on Facebook called Media Therapy. Oh, they did, right. They do mix it. They're a good. Cool. That's a good group to be in. I am going to one of these things. My sister's bringing me, and I take it on good. Like whenever my sister says to me to Max, "This is actually a good thing. I'm going to bring you to." I will go because I know that she's not bullshit me because if it was crap, she just told me this is crap. But um, but yeah, I kind of think that like locally, and I mean, I know I've talked to you about about Lisburn. That's the kind of that's my closest hometown city. It's where I worked for so many years. Mm-hmm. There's such a there, there's such a need there for, you know. The people that actually do think differently, the people that want to get forward, it's an exceptionally difficult place to be creative because, exactly, I would say because so. we have there is uh, there's there no is infrastructure. A council I don't think no and those councils, those councillors are singing off one hymn sheet, and it's not necessarily a creative one. I mean, <laughs> how many galleries are there in Lisbon? Well, really, yeah, well, two. Basically, yeah. I mean, I went and from one to the other. <laughs> and then, you know, mm-hmm. as far as performance, yeah, yeah, the, one yeah, or two. That's it, and it's a big, mm-hmm. big metropolitan area. Absolutely, absolutely. I love the um, there's a performing arts um, course in Cirque in the college, mm-hmm. which is right opposite where I am um, at the minute, working out of our space gallery. There, what I love about them is whenever they're doing their end of year performances, mm-hmm. they try to do a lot of site specific stuff. So what I'm going to try to do is work alongside um, them and try to bring them in. And like I, I'm working on a 17th century building at the moment. It's absolutely amazing. There's actually paranormal investigations go on there. And the second one, there was one a, a while back, 
and they declared that um, this building is more haunted than Crumlin Road Jail, right? Really? Amazingly, like that's, that's, When's a, that's the a lofty. Well, <laughs> on Monday night, there's a there's an investigation that they're doing. It's kind of like just their body of people. They're kind of paranormal society. But because I'm interested in ghost tours and stuff like that, maybe maybe talking a wee bit more about the history of the building and what they think, you know, is the paranormal activity. Monday's my birthday as well. So I kind of said to them, here, do you mind if I nip in maybe and just kind of observe? And they're like, Mags, you can come, but no observers. You have to take part. So I'm going paranormal investigating <laughs> as part of my job. <laughs> For your birthday. <laughs> For my birthday. Fun so times. What I would say is that you might have an idea of what you'll end up doing, but actually things just snowball. Do you know, sometimes you really yep. just get these opportunities and it's not something you ever thought you would do. And you think, here, do you know what? There's absolutely nobody telling me I can't do this. So, yeah, life's exciting. <laughs> What's Meg's going to get for her birthday? Oh, goodness me. You're going to shake I hands with the some, ghost. So, I'm going to shake hands with the ghost. I'm hopefully going to get something like some kind of a light bulb exploding in my face or like somebody, like, I don't know, something throwing something at me across the a room. Pot. Yeah. I'd be happy with that. That, that would be, I'm a bit of a weirdo. I'd be Throw happy with that for my Throw birthday. Beer. Throw <laughs> me a beer. Throw me a bottle of Prosecco, darling. <laughs> you could haunt me forever. <laughs> and there's Colder my sound bite. <laughs> there's my sound bite. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> so, in parting, would you have any uh, any advice, oh, wow. big advice for people that you haven't already covered? Yeah, I mean, probably the, the biggest thing that we, that we have already covered is that, you know what, if you think you need it, you don't necessarily reassess that. You know, before you, um, before you feel like... Um, you're a slave to your incumbents before you feel like you're a slave to that that big salary you're getting. Um, also, you know, take what you love. Think of it as as a starting point. You know, workshop things, storyboard it, sit down, write it down, make a flipping flowchart, go, okay, I love doing this, this, this and this. Do these things work together? Talk to people because you just don't know. And I mean, do you know what? It takes a lot of courage to talk to people about a business idea mm-hmm. it takes an awful lot of courage particularly when you have what people think is a cushy job and they go you think they're going to go oh you're mad you know you're mad to think about leaving that or doing something different but every single time I've taken that step they actually just lift the phone and talk to somebody that is maybe in a similar position have went self-employed are interested in similar things or they're in my industry it has all, I've never, never regretted actually Great. just taking that leap, talking to somebody about it. And you see, every time you hang up that phone, there'll be something else in your head that you'll go, oh my God, I could make this work. And you will be surprised. You will be surprised. You'll be very pleasantly surprised when the word spreads, when you make that announcement, I have bit the bullets. Yeah, yeah. I have went and done my own thing. I have, you know, I have kind of, you know, got myself out of the bullshit which is really all the, the only way I can describe it um, the amount of people that will go do you know what I have been waiting for somebody like you to say okay I'm available for work now because let's go forward with this project and it'll reap its reward also don't undersell yourself that's the other thing yeah, do not undersell yourself you're always worth it absolutely 
absolutely. Don't do anything for free. Don't do anything for free unless there's an exceptionally good reason. And or like maybe there's a charity that you love that you would love to help. That's okay. But if there's a great big organisation out there and they have a budget and you look at that tender or that quotation and you go, okay, can I make this work within that budget? If you can't, don't be going and saying, look, I'm going to work 12 hours a day for a tenner a day. Just don't do it. It's not going to be worth it. It, And also, you know, hold your own value with your self-esteem. That is your value. Do you know what, whenever you were employed, what would you have paid somebody to do that? What would you have expected to pay? You see, if you're not sure what to charge, mystery shop. Ring around all the other people and see what they charge. That's what everybody does. You You can also... Totally. Also... Take people out for coffees. Yeah. Take your peers out for coffees. Yeah. Say, hey, listen, I have a project. Yeah. Be honest with me. I'll be honest with you. I absolutely did that. You know, lots of people in this community know a guy called Adam Tarkington. He's a friend of mm-hmm. mine. Yeah. He's yeah. been amazing to me. Really great. He's also very, very supportive of self-employed people. And that's what I did. When I knew that I was going to leave, I met Adam for coffee and I said, Adam, how do I do this? And the advice he gave me was brilliant. It really was. Worth a cup of coffee. Exactly. Nobody (laughs) minds. Nobody minds. And do you know what? I don't mind. People get in touch with me, I'll talk to them. Sorry, those people that do mind you asking them those questions who don't want to share the information with you. They're, that you have to worry about. Yeah, just keep away from them. They're, They're not good people. And, you know, I... I believe I kind of have this like general karmic belief that what you put out there into the world, the things mm-hmm. that you want to do, they're all going to be of benefit to somebody, right? If you have that and you keep that as your USP that you actually want to benefit people, then I believe, and I've, I've seen the results that the good will come back to you, so just do it, be good, keep the faith. And and like I say, don't undersell yourself, do you know? Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Banks. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. All right. Everybody else, we're signing off. Have a good night. Have a good day. Have a good morning. Watch out for ghosts. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> I'll talk. <clears throat> Thank you very much to Mags for coming by and speaking with me. Uh, you can find her on Facebook at Grapefruit Moons Arts. That's Grapefruit Moon's Arts. Grapefruit Moon Arts. And uh, that's it for us for today. Uh, See you next week. And keep on listening. Thank you.